this in next week's passage. Sin is just a disoriented faith in the wrong things of life. It keeps good folks trapped in distorted personalities. I could keep talking about this and going on, but then we would miss one of my most favorite lines in Scripture. And this line, I love it, while he is still talking, God starts speaking up. While Peter is going on with his grandiose plans and the building he wants to build, the scripture said, while he is still talking, the Lord your God says, stop and listen to him. Let the Lord your God interrupt you. Let the Lord your God interrupt you. Stop. Listen to him. Now, over the years... I have had a few colleagues thank me from time to time for just using the right measure of 12-step wisdom from the pulpit. I want to state a few things clearly for those of you who know me, who don't know me, and for those listening online. I am an alcoholic. I am not ashamed of it because rock bottom was the bedrock on which God built the rest of my life. I want to share a few things. Alcohol is bad for me doesn't mean it's bad for you. It's my problem, not yours. And I want to thank you all for listening and for your patience when listening to my tales from the dark side. But I ask for permission to speak to you in this way because the problem is I've got my feet in two worlds and I bet that some of you do too. And today I'm going to do my best to not violate some sort of AA rule because the second A stands for anonymous. But as my friend John Reisner says to me, church... There are some things you need to know. I have seen many people transfigured. I have stood privy to watching people go from Yale to jail and then back again into the beyond, rocketed into a fourth dimension of reality. I have heard a businessman, a former mayor of a city, who one day just simply made the decision To drink a bottle of alcohol in the amount of time it takes for a few seconds to click off your watch took 24 pills and then went into his garage and closed the door, turned the car on, and went to sleep and woke up in the hospital. He says to me, if God didn't have a plan for my life, he has a plan for no one's life. I have stood in the gap, giving, acting, and praying, writing letters to judges, and testifying in open court on behalf of Sunday school teachers who got clean, beat the odds, and due to a storm cloud of events, was sent to prison for the maiming of an individual four years prior simply because they used her baseball bat, snatched away from children during the most formative years of their lives. On Tuesday, this Tuesday, I get the great privilege of talking to the same judge I wrote a letter to 14 years ago to get this expunged off of her record. I have seen countless individuals describe a miracle of transformation which had occurred in them. Not only a release from a substance, but a complete change in an attitude toward life and the living of it. This is the reality of my ministry and an utmost privilege to stand there. These people are all miracles. I share this with you because church grace makes beauty out of ugly things. On the cross, 
Jesus became everything we are, so we could become everything he is. The pain has a purpose. Jesus has a changed form. In a famous letter from psychologist Carl Jung to Bill Wilson, one of the founders of AA, he writes about a patient, Roland, who had relapsed repeatedly from much treatment, returned to the drink day after day. But after he met with Bill Wilson, as he's called, Roland had not had a drink since. Jung concluded in a now famous letter, the only thing that can change a man's direction is a vital spiritual awakening followed up with a program aimed at spiritual development. And he goes on to write, you see, alcohol in Latin is spiritus. And you use the same word for the highest religious experience as well as for the most depraving poison. The helpful formula, therefore, is spiritus contra spiritum. Thank you for humoring me. This literally translates to spirit against spirit. Loosely translated, it refers to a spiritual experience to counter the addiction of this life. It seems there are some things that are not resolved by human effort. Jesus takes his disciples to the mountaintop because clearly there are some things they need to know. Wholeness does not consist in removing a present source of travail. It demands a complete transformation of a person's attitude towards life, which in turn is an outward sign of a transfigured personality. It requires nothing short of a spiritual revolution, a spiritual re-evolution. This is one way to understand Jesus is saying about you can't put old wine into new wineskins. Said another way, you can't use yesterday's computer software to fix today's bugs. It doesn't work. It literally never works. You cannot do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. It literally doesn't compute. Big difference between Christ being with us and Christ being in us. Can you allow Christ to absorb out of you the dark side of humanity? I'll close with Henry Nouwen. Many of you may know of, he was a renowned Catholic Jesuit priest, author of numerous books, just pick one and read it, and beloved confidant to many souls. He was a professor at Yale Divinity School at Harvard Divinity School, but I know him best as a person who went on to live in community with people with mental and physical disabilities at the Larche Daybreak community in Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada. The Presbyterian minister, Fred Rogers, and the creator and host of the Hit Kids series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, said that now and taught him to grow into a thoughtful person who cares about the essentials of life. In the summer of 85, Nowen left his illustrious teaching positions and joined the large community in France. He spent nine months living and sharing life with people with and without learning disabilities. At the end, he joined the Arche community in Canada and continued to serve as their pastor and where he lived until his death in 96. And he wrote this in his book, The Genesee Diary, Report from a Trappist Monastery. And it's a conversation with the abbot. And hear these words. 
He writes, how to dispel the passions that make us manipulate instead of worship. Well, the first thing to realize is that you are the glory of God. In Genesis, you can read for yourself. Yahweh God fashioned man of the dust from the soil. Then he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and thus man became a living being. And God called everything good, very good. We live because we share God's breath, God's glory. The question is not so much how to live for the glory of God, but how to live who we are, how to make true our deepest self. And so with a smile, John Yudas said, Take this as your koan, which is a Buddhist meditation. I am the glory of God. Make that thought the center of your meditation so that it not only slowly becomes a thought but a living reality. You are the place that God chose to dwell. You are the topos to theu, Greek for God's place, and the spiritual life is nothing more or less than to allow that space to exist where God can dwell, to create the space where his glory can manifest itself. In your meditation, you can ask yourself, where is the glory of God? If the glory of God is not there where I am, where else can it be? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God in heaven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.